We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. to break down some winning lineups myself and sean we didn't have a winning lineup in any of the contests but over at underdog nick had a smash where he had a i think it's gonna be fun because you had a sweat where you're in first place and then you kind of are watching to see what happens in that final game on sunday sean we had a similar situation two years ago waiting to see if jarvis landry would get us over the line for the ffpc contest that didn't happen but we were in a chasing spot where we needed points but it, it is always tricky when you're sitting in that spot and you're thinking well if it ended right now it's like this but if it continues on it's not going to be that much fun as it goes on so sean you've mentioned nick has drafted a couple of teams with you this year won some ot contest to jump in and draft those and then we have talked a couple of times on the show had a lot of success in bbm four had four or third i think you drafted 30 teams advanced 10 of them to the semis but unfortunately then no teams advanced to the final so i do think there's a couple of things like that which is good to talk for the community in general to share those experiences because we did see on social media a lot over the last couple of weeks you know people not advancing and you know oh i drafted four teams why am i not in the bbm final you know that sort of thing you have to be realistic with this and i think it's good to share those conversations as well for the community but as we start nick how are you uh, feeling post week 17 with a lineup that came third, which netted $12,500? Yeah, it was a nice way to cap the cap a fun season. Uh, yeah, pretty surreal, pretty surreal way to finish out. So, yeah, pretty much on cloud nine for sure. <laughs> awesome. So, just to create a little bit of context here, Nick is one of our longtime listeners, one of my favorite people. He did uh, participate in and win the contest to draft an FFPC team with me this fall. I loved that and interacting with Nick as we managed the team throughout the season was a lot of fun. I mean, I'm sort of thinking that this coming off season that I'm going to need to win a contest to draft a team with Nick next year. Because again, I mean... <laughs> 30 teams entered in best ball mania to advance 10 of them, not, not into the 
playoffs, but into the semifinals and have gotten through that initial gauntlet where people tend to have the teams that they've obviously advanced whittled down in a massive way. So you have to finish first out of 16 teams in that group. I mean, this is one of the most extraordinary things you know, I've ever heard of. It's, it's just incredible. Now, obviously, if you have teams with some overlapping players and you have a week where that group hits, then those results are going to be correlated in a way that does make it a little more possible than it might seem. But it's still just, it's mind-blowing. And Nick, when I got the original email from you, I'm like, I can't believe this has happened. <laughs> I mean, it was just so, so cool. Unfortunately, week 16 was not quite as good so those teams go out but you and I were messaging through the week that you had a team in the Chihuahua final and I mean you're still alive that's it's so cool to have a shot in these tournaments and then I get an email from you last night saying if Jane Reed can be held below essentially 11 if Ty Chandler can be held again a low essentially below essentially 11 that I'm going to win this, I'm like, he's going to do it. I mean, they're going to hold these guys down. How comfortable, how confident were you? I mean, either guy can obviously go over that. Reed, because of the injuries to the other Packers receivers, you're kind of expecting him to be pretty involved. Jordan Love's been on fire. We know how it turned out, but how were you feeling going into this last game in first place and just kind of wanting – the game to get through an end before those points are scored. Yeah. So uh, most of the late afternoon, the only person on my radar for Sunday night was Ty Chandler. Uh, I thought that was really all I had to dodge. And then Najee Harris and Isaiah Pacheco happened <laughs> and uh, they ran a couple teams uh, from pretty far back, right up on my tail. Um, so I have to jump in with a, oh yeah. I have to jump in with a question there. If you're watching the Steelers game and you see Najee Harris about to score a third touchdown when he slides down, how, how are you feeling at that point? I, I'm guessing that was a sigh of relief. It was a, a bit of uh, some heart palpitations <laughs> there. Uh, normally, when you see players slide to, in the game, you're kind of you know bemoaning the fact that they didn't get you the fantasy points you wanted. Yeah. But this was one of the times you kind of she was on the other do a bit here. of a a bit of a cheer there. <laughs> So, yeah, that was a bit nerve-wracking when I saw that open space. But I was like, he's he's going to slide, right? He's got to slide. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so that Pacheco team going into Kansas City's last drive, he only needed one more point to to catch me. And luckily only got two yards on their, their final real not-kneel-out possession. Uh, so then, you know, I noticed he had Jaden Reed, and I was like, whew, he only had to clear like nine-something nine points to start counting towards his total. Uh, and with only about eight yards of clearance, that <laughs> uh, was a bit nerve wracking. I wasn't too, uh, too confident that Jaden Reed was going to stay under that, but it was about 10 and a half. He had to stay under, but you know, you can always be hopeful, you know, a couple short completions were nice to see. And then, you know, got the blade with the 33 yard TD there pretty quick. So you know, if and, it's gonna happen, you, at least it's happened in like the first half and not the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah. Are are you in the uh, kind of category of Sean Siegel where the optimism is showing through that you may win, or are you in my camp where you're like everything's going to go wrong and you're definitely going to lose? Uh, I was 
holding out the optimism that I didn't think I could drop lower than third. Uh, of course, Jaden Reed then went nuclear, and I had a very big chance to drop down to fifth <laughs> after that second touchdown. But uh, we managed to skirt by and, and hold on to that third place spot. Uh, but did get caught by two different Jaden Reed teams. Because yeah, that's um, some with another one Sean had, at my heels. <laughs> we've jumped, joked about this a couple of times recently. Where do you want the game to end and nothing else happens, or do you want to take the risk that there's another like it goes to overtime and your player then gets another touchdown? It's that kind of thing of like, for example, in the Cowboys game this week, Sean, on that final drive, which ends up being the drive where Amon Ra gets in the end zone, which we needed for the main event team. Sam Laporta has, I think, three receptions on that drive. So it's a case of like the Laporta teams are, you know, pushing up. And if you don't get that touchdown, it's that kind of balance of do you want it just to end and, you know, be four and out here and it's over? Or do you want to have a chance to keep pushing those points up? And that's kind of a difficult balance sometimes to know. And you're in a situation there where the clock, though, is ticking. You mentioned those first couple of receptions. Reed did it pretty quickly. We've joked, Sean, too, about. Our our situation in the main event in the you know championship round where DeAndre Hopkins dealt us in the fourth quarter in the last four minutes. So there is there's something to be said for being you know put out that little bit earlier. But an extreme team with an extreme achievement, and I guess that's right for the achievers to have an extreme achievement. But third place finish in the end up, but 174.64 points this week. Lamar Jackson, uh, A. Chan. Warren getting in there. We had Tyler Algier getting in there. He obviously had a lot of his production on that long 75-yard touchdown. But CD Lamb, who myself and Sean talked about on the Monday episode, Branton Cook, Zay Flowers sprinkled in there, and then Isaiah Likely at the tight end position. This team throughout the year, who has been the key to powering you to this success? And when I look through the players who haven't made the lineup this week, it you know, Dak Prescott is in there. Gibbs is in there. Hubbard, who has been really strong, has been in there. Waddle, who missed this week. Evans, who didn't have a big week, is in there. This team is just... George Kittle's in there as well, by the way. This team is absolutely loaded. Uh, yeah, Lamar's big, big spike week games obviously help a ton, but uh, you know, having Dak Prescott having a pretty, pretty great season by his recent standards is also nice. But C, I think CD kind of finally stepping into that wide receiver one role is what really carried us along along with you know mr gibbs there trucking especially towards the back end of the season uh definitely don't advance without jameer in uh, week 15 that's for sure um the cool thing about the chihuahua and one of the reasons i really like the contest is the advanced structure was uh two of 12 two of 10 in week 15 and then one of 10 in week 16 uh so Gibbs barely got me over the line. I was the second place team in week 15 uh, for that Chihuahua squad. Uh, so wouldn't even wouldn't even have been in the semifinal uh, if it wasn't a two of 10 advance rate. Uh, so, you know, things like that are kind of, I guess, maybe what I try to focus on outside of, you know, the big lottos. I didn't really play a lot of puppies for the weird kind of one of 18 advanced stuff. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. Gibbs, Gibbs week 15 kind of sneaking me in is what really probably brought it all together. As the game sort of transpired last night, I was rooting so hard for you at the beginning there. I guess I didn't realize that more read points 
could do more damage. I was rooting really I hard. I did not either. <laughs> <laughs> I was rooting really hard against him, and then it happened so fast. It was somewhat similar. Colin mentioned, you know, losing the DeAndre Hopkins deal at the very end. Your situation was similar to the game where Ben and I needed Joe Mixon to not go off on Monday night, and it was pretty close to a coin flip in terms of all the research I had done on it. And then he accomplished it on basically the first drive. <laughs> so I'm like, well, it didn't turn out to be a coin flip in this particular game. And that that was disappointing because that team would have also finished very high. It was kind of funny because it ended up finishing 11th and just missing the pay level in the consolation and lost by like hundreds of a point for that. So getting that into the main event portion of the tournament would have been fun. As a result, then I was rooting hard for Jordan Love because I wanted to win Curtis Patrick's Black Crown Dynasty League. Pat and I were trying to hold off a Justin Jefferson, Romeo Dobbs team in our Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty at the 1250 entry level. And on that one, the pay drop from first to second is 7,000 to 2,500. And so I was very excited that Tucker Craft was like, every pass needs to be to Tucker Craft, not Jaden Reed, not Romeo Dobbs. He was involved. So that, that did work out. But once it flipped past your score, I went back to rooting for Jaden Reed because that was not Romeo Dobbs. I'm <laughs> sorry that he continued to score points. <laughs> As you were drafting... How, how did that finish up for people listening here wondering? Uh, we won. You, you won. We did win. And so, again, the Rotovis Triflex format at the FFPC, absolutely fantastic for people who want to get into competitive dynasties, lots of training, very active owners, big payouts, and entry levels at whatever price you want. You don't have to pay $12.50 to enter. They have $77 versions of that. Nick, as you were putting together this particular team and as you were putting together these teams like this onslaught of, of 10 teams, this armada that made it into the best ball mania semifinals. Did you have any specific things that you were trying to accomplish? Now, every draft obviously is going to be different. You have a different draft slot. You have you know different positions that you'll take in rounds one or two, depending on that draft slot. And then that cascades through the draft. Obviously, you have different needs that you address in different ways. But how were you basically attacking teams in 2023. I know a lot of listeners will be interested to find out, not necessarily how they can do what you did, because again, that's just not really possible, but how can they build elite teams to give themselves this chance? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, I think it's probably especially specific to this season that Sam Laporta was such a skeleton key to kind of unlocking easier way to build the, uh, you know, juggernauts, if you will. Um, so I had a lot of Sam Laporta, which is why I got a lot of teams into week 16. <laughs> um, and then, you know, did a lot of late QB stuff. Um, Sam Howell was probably, well, he, not probably, he was my most drafted player all, all off season by a pretty significant margin over one Taekwon Thornton, unfortunately, that one didn't go quite so well. <laughs> but uh, but did a lot of late QB, a lot of QB in the window, really tried to shy away from paying the premium QB pricing. Uh, now, when they fell, I definitely scooped them up. You know, Lamar was, I think, a late fourth-round pick in that Chihuahua draft, so it's not something I was totally avoiding, thankfully, because that worked out for me pretty well. <laughs> uh, but... For the most part, it was a lot of uh, trying to mine those nice, like the QBs I thought were viable in the window and, and those late QB guys. Um, so you're looking at Tua, Dak, Jared Goff, as far as kind of the most viable, like nine, 10th round QB picks you can squeeze in. And then a whole unfortunate lot of uh, Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett. But with that came a lot of Sam Howell and the occasional Desmond Ritter spike week. (laughs) So, um, and and that just kind of opened up a lot of room to, you know, be maybe a little aggressive with running back with some targets at the beginning of the draft, which isn't something I would normally have been doing. Uh, But, you know, it also allows you to kind of spread your wings and fly with the wide receivers early. Uh, without having to worry too much about those onesies, and, and with like it, there's Trayvon there's, Bride and Sam Laporta out there. <laughs> yeah, there's interest. This kind of happened a little bit with a couple of teams that we talked about last week with uh, Tom and Eric. But some of the most common and ourselves, some of the most common draft the players we actually drafted the entire season were some of the teams that made it through to the finals. You mentioned Laporta for you. We talked about McBride and Laporta, for example, not being on the team that was in our final. But this here team, you you mentioned, you know, fading the elite quarterbacks unless they came down to you. This team, Lamar Jackson in the fourth round. But I'm actually quite, looking back now, it seems a little bit surprising. Dak Prescott in the 10th round at pick 110 just stands out as an extreme value. You know, Kirk Cousins was in a similar range. who was putting up a lot of points before his injury. But Daniel Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Geno Smith. Russell Wilson a lot of those guys in that range though like I'm looking here Russell Wilson Dak Prescott Jared Goff Matthew Stafford all having Jordan Love so many of those late guys this year did make a big impact but 
when you look back at you know the 10 teams that made it through to the semis but didn't go through were you heavily focused on the same set of players in terms of ownership percentages would they have been very high compared like some people are trying to balance that portfolio where you kind of hitting the same players and then that's what kind of did the damage then in week 16 when they couldn't advance i am probably not one of the greatest people at uh balancing out my portfolio i tend to make pretty big bets uh either we're gonna we're gonna be real right or real wrong uh but tend yeah. to draft with conviction so yeah a lot of uh the same you know you try to reduce things to as few choices as possible at least i do in a draft so each round you want to have or at least for me i want to have you know a select handful of targets uh and then certain guys you know yeah if he falls past a certain value point then you're going to take the chance on them even if they're not necessarily a uh a priority target uh but i definitely do draft in the um conviction sort of line of thought uh so had a lot of conviction for you know the rotoviz guys if you will uh and that kind of style of player um but you know sean can be a pretty convincing guy when he's uh arguing passionately for a player so or when he, he starts giving the uh, those coattails little projected stuff lines for some of the players can, <laughs> yeah. can get you enthused oh what oh what could have been with jk dobbins my guys oh what could have been Stella touched your subject. <laughs> that one is still, that one is still, <laughs> still so, so raw there. The, uh, I, I just love to hear you say that because I think that what you did is a great example of this idea that if you diversify yourself out of your favorite guys and the most likely players to win, then you water down your portfolio to the point where you can't do some of the things that you accomplished and that it, you have to, be willing to manage your bankroll in such a way that you can play the next year when you have a bad season. Obviously, we encourage everyone to manage their bankroll in a way that nothing they're ever doing in fantasy is impacting their life negatively. So we want to make sure we mention those things. But you can balance sort of across years as opposed to within a year. And when you hit, hit in such a big way, Nick, like you did, as you're thinking about player targets and sort of some tactical moves obviously to some people it's going to seem absurd to be talking about 2024 the day after the season ends but are there already ideas percolating where you're thinking to yourself now you said that your plan of attack this year was focused on some of these great prices you get on some of the late round qbs obviously sam laporta the skeleton key are there elements that you're already excited to try next year that you think could you know anticipating how you think the community might react but just plays that you're excited to make as certainly when you do well on the last day of the season it does create enthusiasm for drafting again uh yeah absolutely um i would say my biggest takeaway from just a bit of dfs dabbling and the uh at least success I could read from the teams I drafted in best ball this year is uh, probably will have a slightly higher focus on team stacking. Uh, game stacking, sure, we're never going to stop doing that, you know, week 17 or bust sort of thought process. But I think I will 
prioritize trying to create a, a bit heavier team stacking front on uh, on teams where I where I can uh, where it's appropriate. Uh, beyond that, I don't you know I'm kind of anxious just to see how drafters react. You know, you gotta gotta. I kind of react to what everyone else is doing around me and figure out where where to pivot, so to speak. Uh, this year, I thought that was kind of avoiding the paying those crazy prices for quarterbacks, uh, and that that worked out pretty well for the most part. Um, so you know, we'll see. We'll get in the draft streets pretty early, um, and just kind of see how guys are reacting or you know, drafters are reacting to uh, to what they saw this season, and try and mine out some some EV from some overreactions they might be placing on how to build their teams and and uh, zig where some folks zag and then you know turn on rotoviz and stealing stealing bananas see what sean calm and uh ben think about things <laughs> we're uh we're recording this on the the first of january so it's like you've you've just had this win but we're we're talking about the the draft streets and i feel like it's not going to be that long until we're we're jumping back into those but you mentioned a good point and it's something that we're always interested in is what the market is going to say and how things will adjust so i mentioned dak prescott in the 10th round are we going to see some of those lower quarterbacks who went from 10 to 13 pushed up you know rather they're going from 7 to 10 are we going to see some of the elite quarterbacks who didn't hit their high levels that maybe people hoped are we going to see them slide down you know into the fifth sixth round rather than the third and fourth round it's going to be very interesting to see how the dust starts to settle over those early months in terms of of adp and again one of the things we did a lot this year was those running backs and the traditional dead zone you know and then rounds three through six and picking up some of those guys is that going to shift is it going to be all wide receivers is it going to be even more wide receiver heavy in 2024 than it was in 2023 so that all those questions i think is what's going to devise what we attack then to try and find the uh, values in those sean out of interest the quarterback landscape how do you think that's going to play out in early 2024 with you know, I mentioned some of those names that were going and we attacked a lot of lit quarterbacks. I think we're going to see that window for quarterbacks tighten up between the elite ones coming down and the, I guess, lit ones coming up. I think we're going to have a lot of quarterbacks in the, the 6 through 11 range this year. It'll be interesting to see. And I would expect that drafters are again going to be and it's not that they weren't already doing this, but there's going to be just such a high priority placed on players who have multiple paths for scoring. The success of Stroud, I think, is going to make the rookie QBs. Well, that be balanced out. No, by, not expensive uh, necessarily. Well, that be balanced out. Be Bryce Young, no. <laughs> no, I don't think so because it, the the losing portion of it still doesn't affect your team in the same way as the championship yep, portion of it does. And so drafters are going to be looking, obviously, for a Dak Prescott. They're going to be looking for a CJ Stroud. It'll be interesting to see how players like a Jerry Goff are treated because Goff is someone who was very successful for us in a variety of formats. And yet the situation that he, and to a much greater extent, uh, Geno Smith ran into where the team is trying to get a couple of running backs involved. Geno simply couldn't unlock the offense that he had. He couldn't unlock JSN. You have the game again yesterday 
where, I mean, you've got these three receivers and he's throwing to the backup tight end, essentially. And so that's not the way that you want the offense to work. And some of that is just, I mean, obviously from a perspective, it's simply now that we can look back. We know that because he had played relatively well in 2022. Could he take the next step? That obviously didn't pan out. But this ability to hit on players with extremely wide range of outcomes. And that, again, is where the rookies come in because, I mean, Stroud demonstrated just how wide the range can be, even for a relatively pass-first QB. The other thing is going to be this element where just the extreme injuries two quarterbacks, two consecutive years is going to have to influence the way people draft. Nick just mentioned having some of these team stacks to where if you're correct and you get a quarterback through. Now, it was interesting in many cases where players like a Joe Flacco actually were much better for the team. Again, when you think about what the Cleveland Browns did to put this juggernaut team together and then how they destroyed it all by paying so much in so many ways for Deshaun Watson, I mean, I, I, you can't even you know hardly imagine what they're currently thinking. But the pricing on QB and how you manage to you know find this lever to move just a little bit. I mean, we mentioned Sam Howell, and obviously he's someone who, because of the way he played recently, is now back out of fashion. And it can make us forget the fact that he carried so many teams to where they needed to be to have that shot. You know, how do you find that guy at the price where you can do the things that Nick just explained to where you can have additional players get hurt like a JK Dobbins. You have additional players to where when they hit and hit big, you can take that risk on a Brees Hall. You can take the risk on Travis Etienne, not actually having Tank Bigsby take any work for him. Those things are opened up when you don't take the quarterback early. And yet at the same time, Nick, now that you've had this game where Lamar Jackson does so much for you, for so many people, that kind of emotional response to that game is going to trigger something where they're like, I've got to get the Lamar Jackson game again next year and make sure I have exposure to guys who can give me that. So a couple of questions. How do you think the quarterback landscape specifically is going to look next season not necessarily just prices but are there archetypes at qb that you think are going to slide up and slide down understanding that some of these guys and many of them are actually you know blur genres of, of different kinds of guys and then for you are you comfortable only having that lamar jackson play when he falls or you know coming off of that game do you think you know i just i have to get a little bit of that well, I would say uh, we're all kind of creatures of the most recent thing that we saw happen. So I would expect Lamar to kind of jump up into the Josh Allen range of of the draft or thereabouts. <laughs> you know, I, I hope we kind of come to our senses as drafters and aren't taking Hertz and Allen and Lamar in the second. But I also assume that that will probably carry on again. Um, if that's the case, then... Uh, it will be a very, very trepidatious and scared fade of, of Lamar if I have to pay a second-round price for him in drafts next year. Um, I will probably just keep keep attacking the window and trying to, trying to find the value picks where I can. Um, hopefully there will be some 
some good late round QB options that emerge next year. Uh, but I suspect column is uh, pretty spot on with the window, just getting cram packed with, with QBs in that kind of six to 11 or 12 range. Well, the other thing on the, the quarterbacks that could be interesting to watch is we've talked a good bit, Sean, about the first two rounds, which players might get in there and how that might work out. But the other thing that does impact people drafting quarterbacks is when they get to that point of the draft where they're like, do I want, you know, I can't even say it here because the player that you would say is like Calvin Ridley or Amari Cooper, the way the first three quarterbacks were drafted this year and uh, Cooper has been an absolute smash. So, you know, let's say the pick before you took Lamar Jackson was Christian Watson, but you'll be looking for the upside, let's say that. But before that, about half a round before that's Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts and, and Josh Allen. But a lot of the time it is kind of like, I, I want that elite quarterback over the other players. So we could be in a situation when ADP starts to settle down that the third and fourth round aren't that appealing. And then obviously you do get the quarterback ADP being set at that spot. And obviously with the volume of drafts that you will have on a site like Underdog, if that's happening over and over again, it's going to set the ADP. Uh, we used to have situations like, you know, before Underdog, Sean, ADP was kind of in flux up until, you know, mid to late August. And now we'll have like, complete nearly almost set adp from from march onwards so uh it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how the the quarterback landscape does settle the last question i had um for you nick was you mentioned earlier the you know scenarios in which the structure works for advancing and i have often talked about the ffpc structure being that two 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 usually to get through that i feel like it feels achievable you know we're on the we're on the achieving side of things here again with the name and uh I didn't mention it on the last show, but we'll leave out the first name again. But it is, yeah, the achievers with another word in, in front of it. But uh, you will see him in a lot of draft rooms. But I do talk about that feeling achievable to be able to advance through. But I think that a lot of people jumping into these contests probably aren't looking ahead to that structure. They're just seeing, you know, BBM for three million to first place. Let me jump in that. You know 150 times but they mightn't be going in 150 but they're going in based on the prize but i do think and you referenced it there the the advanced structure is so important in these as to actually getting true because two out of ten versus one out of 16 is a really tough achievement and some of the scores that are put up with these teams like you could have a team that puts up like for example if this was an advancing week and you put up 174.6 points you would have been third you would not have been advancing and uh you know that can be really really tough to take so do you want to let the listeners know a little bit about why you look at the advance structure uh just it, like are you, you looking know, at that for every contest as a Oh, a guy to will I enter? How much of as Sean mentioned with the bankroll earlier? How many teams am I going to draft in this? Like, what what's your focus on that? Is it a start point or is it just a bonus? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. 
The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. Uh, it's pretty much a start point outside of, you know, BBM, which is, you know, the behemoth that it is. Uh, I, if I'm going to be, you know, taking shots on on goal with these contests i want i want the easiest possible route to the finals um so these contests you saw a lot of uh the smaller contests that underdog put out uh where it was you know like one of ten one of ten or two of ten one of ten uh some of these higher buy-ins you'll get you know your two of ten uh one of six, you know, like the fields for these playoff weeks shrink. Um, so it, it really opens up your options to kind of squeak through if your team underperforms a little bit. Uh, so that is definitely a big focus I have. Like, you know, the new gauntlet they released this year is a two of six out of the first round. Like that's huge. Um, the difference that makes just in getting, getting teams by where you're able to build uh smart teams you know teams that have a chance to win uh in super bowl week that might otherwise have gotten dusted because you finished second out of six instead of first in in that first round of the playoffs so having that little bit of extra grace to pull the team through is huge um, i know ffpc has a lot of uh two two three advancing um and those that's just awesome that's incredible especially when you can still have a finals pod that is not gargantuan you know 500 teams or something like that uh so these smaller contests are a lot of fun when they're not necessarily you know the puppies are basically five dollar lottos and that's fun but the odds of you know advancing one of 18 one of 18 in the playoffs is pretty daunting uh compared to you know if you just kind of go go contest by contest trying to trying to find the more grace uh graceful ones if you will as far as advanced structures go um, that can lead to a lot more success a lot better roi as opposed to just you know kind of taking moonshots. <laughs> yeah, the reason i brought style. that up is i i think a lot of people maybe do just get caught up in the final prize and you know it's like oh if i have a great team here i can win three million dollars rather than how do i get to them steps what what have i to do over the course of those weeks so i think you've summarized that up really well sean as we get ready to close up any final thoughts or any questions here for nick well i just i really like that note about the this year's gauntlet and the two out of six as opposed to the one out of six one of the things that we discussed a lot last year on the site was building 
49ers Bengals teams because they would allow with the one out of six and then still give you really good Super Bowl teams. Now those teams come up short in the championship games and you get the two bye week teams. And I have to assume that underdog looked at that and they're like, dude, we just have to get more teams through that have Super Bowl participants if we have the bye teams get through again because that's not exactly how you want the very final week to work. But that's a huge note for people who are playing the gauntlet. We'll have more article strategy strategy sessions on the site for that. Nick, as we go here, you talk about the sort of advance. And one of the things I think people love about Underdog is the ability to draft a lot and get a lot of practice and draft a lot and have these shots, you know, like you mentioned, to get through. Column and I were very fortunate in that we managed to advance almost all of the teams that we drafted for the show on these individual smaller contests. I don't think they made them to the semis, but it's fun to, to get them through and have that original advance. On the other end of the spectrum is the Mastiff. And I know Ben, you know, really enjoyed playing in that. And that one very expensive but also has some things about advancement that at that cost balance some of those things out with the way underdog works i think it's just it's so much fun to draft a lot and get that practice and not use your bankroll on the bigger contest necessarily but what are your thoughts there is that one that you participated in how are you looking at that one as it works into sort of the overall approach for a year um well the advance rates in the Mastiff were incredible. I did not uh, solo sh- take a shot at that one. Uh, in the ship chasing discord, we had a bit of a syndicate get together and slow draft a Mastiff team and uh, very chaotically vote <laughs> for each draft pick. Um, that was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, we made it to week 16, but uh, in, that's what was a two of four advance. And we came up just short got third place in that four-man group, so it didn't quite sneak into the finals. Uh, But that was a lot of fun. Um, Highly recommend that if that's uh, something that you can find out there in the world. Uh, Group drafting is a a blast. Um, They can be a a lot of of chaos arguing for, you know, your picks and things like that, especially when you got quite a few people in there doing it. Uh, But, yeah, no, I I, those high – the higher dollar buy-ins that have a, you know, a much easier, <laughs> not necessarily the correct word, but uh, a much more palatable advanced structure. Um, they're a lot of fun and they do help manage a lot of the risks that you're taking. You know, you're always taking a risk by buying into those contests, but, uh, but yeah, they do ease that burden quite a bit with, with having smaller groups uh, after you get out of your original 12-team draft and then um, a little bit, you know, you're usually 50% advance out of a pod. So that definitely uh, eases some of the financial risk of, of buying in to begin with. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that no, was a very fun contest, especially uh, the way I went about partaking in <laughs> You mentioned you mentioned uh, slow drafting, you know, and voting and the chaos that group drafting could bring. I'm wondering which is more chaotic, 
that type of drafting or drafting live with Sean Siegel where he lets the clock down to, to zero, which which is more more chaotic. I I'll I'll have to try the other version next year to figure that out. Yeah, not Nick much filibustering in the slow draft. <laughs> Nick and I had a very calm dude inspired draft. We did not win our FFPC league, but we had a great time with it. Every email that I got from Nick had and some of these are, you know, for a, a few days span, but but every new group was titled with the perfect Big Lebowski quote. It just, it was this wonderful experience and so like refreshing and relaxing. And I felt just completely chilled out by these. I had a chance to, I mean, Netflix is, is pushing on me that the Big Lebowski is going to leave. I'm like, well, I've got you know, so many copies of the big Lebowski. I obviously don't need to watch it on Netflix because it's leaving, but I'm going to anyway, watch that again the other night for the billionth time, still easily the best movie of all time. And to have a partner and Nick who had the perfect, the perfect email, the perfect response. It just, it was a wonderful experience. Nick, congratulations to you on everything that you accomplished in 2023. I have to believe that you were, one of the very best drafters in the entire fantasy universe in 2023. All of us will attempt to accomplish that or, or something similar in 2024. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Hey, thanks you guys. It's been a blast. No problem. It's awesome. And congratulations again on the, the, well, you know what technically you all said wasn't a win. It was third place. It's a big win in the fantasy football circles to get I'll into the it. mix at all. And then to, to head it up and to, to get into a spot where so close, but still a bit away, but a massive achievement for anyone. I will put it in the show notes today, but you can follow over on Twitter at any number of rugs. And if you're looking for anything Lebowski related, I'm sure you're <laughs> going to find it over there as well. Sean, uh, taking great play. Everything, the whole, the whole Twitter account is basically themed in, in that direction and then has fantasy football information sprinkled in but nick thanks for jumping on it's been awesome as always my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to martin my co-host is sean siegel we should be back to a regular schedule next week but we'll see we should have a something coming up on friday we're trying to decide if we can get something snuck in with myself and sean it's a chaotic uh period of time with the, the holidays and everything going on but congratulations to everyone who had success in week 17 and if it didn't go your way the playoff contests are just around the corner. We're ready for it, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.